Greetings, friends. I'm John Haspel. This is a Dhamma talk from Cross River Meditation Center in Frenchtown, New Jersey. If you find benefit from this talk, please support the restoration, the preservation, and the presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma with your donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace. So we're at the, the third chapter of our uh, Dhammapada review. Um, I'm, I'm going to read the closing. Oh, it's a good time for Kevin to join. And Slav has joined us as well. Good morning, Slav. Okay. Hi, Slav. Mm-hmm. Good morning, everybody. Come on, Kevin. Let's try it again. Are you in, Kevin? So we're going to be uh, reviewing the fourth chapter. (laughs) Thank you, David. (laughs) And as you know, in this song, it's okay to to correct the teacher, (laughs) especially when he's wrong. Good morning, Kevin. I'm glad you joined us um, you, and you joined us at an auspicious time because I was just kind of praise uh, your teaching from last Tuesday. It really was a, an excellent teaching. Uh, and the closing line from that, uh, the Chitta Vaga, uh, the Chitta on the, <laughs> the chapter on uh, the importance of developing a well-restrained mind. And that, that is no one and no thing brings greater benefit than a mind well-restrained. And of course, we do that within the framework of the Eightfold Path. And that's, you know, that theme of keeping your, our practice pure really flows through this, the entire Dhammapada. Uh, this chapter, the fourth chapter, is called Papa Vodka. Papa Vodka, boy, now you all know what I was doing last night. Papa Vaga, I don't think. Papa Vaga, um, the, my sub- uh, title is of heartwood and flowers and you'll see how that fits how the heartwood of the dhamma it's always a reference point to the eightfold path uh, and how that's a um a fragrance that's worth recognizing and developing rather than uh empty fra- fragrances i'm gonna have a hard time getting through this today um that are rooted in ignorance and the first line and you can say that about i think the entire dhammapada my excellent restoration, by the way. The first line really defines that entire teaching. So I'm going to say it. Um, who will overcome this realm of death with all its gods? So a common practice during the Buddhist time and our time is the establishment of deities and higher beings that will save us somehow if we visualize them correctly. Um, and, and remember, the Buddha always characterized living a human life rooted in ignorance of, of Four Noble Truths is like a living death. And why does he say that? Looking for my black water bottle. This wasn't it. Somebody left us here a few weeks ago, but it's still good. Um, <laughs> it did have too much vodka last night. Um, this, the realm of death is living your entire human life rooted in ignorance of Four Noble Truths, which means you've led, you led your whole human life 
not understanding what it means to be a human being, never really being present for this moment in a dispassionate, impersonal way. So the Buddha always liking that as like a living death or, or simply, you know, this is death. And he, he, he characterized awakening as the deathless state, which of course doesn't mean that now they will never die. It just means that we, we, we're no longer living in that death-like state. So just read it once again. Who will overcome this realm of death with all its gods? And then gods is also inference to anything that we worship, including salvation, including our ideas, including stress and suffering, including uh, worshiping the god of greed, getting what we want, or the god of aversion, not getting what we want. We all establish those in our life in a worshipful way. And they become... Um, whether we're religious or not, have a, have a specific uh, practice, or we're just worshiping the things of the world, which is the same thing. We, we elevate baubles above our own human life. So that's a type of worship, isn't it? And so this first line covers all aspects of ignorance and distraction and the manifestation thereof. The Buddha continues, who will perfect the well-taught Eightfold Path of Wisdom as an expert garland maker perfects their flower, floral designs. Again, I just love these metaphors here. The well-focused Dhamma practitioner will overcome this realm of death with all its gods. The well-focused Dhamma practitioner will perfect the well-taught Eightfold Path of Wisdom as an expert garland maker <clears throat> perfects their floral design. There's also a, an important line there, the well-taught Eightfold Path which is an inference to that could be a less than well-taught Eightfold Path, and that won't get you there. It's a distraction, which, again, the Buddha recognized that as common during his day and just as common during our day. And the few times I heard the Eightfold Path even mentioned, it was never explained how to develop it, how to integrate it. It was like, you know, the Eightfold Path is what we practice, but then there's no teaching on how to, how to develop that. And that's not a well-taught eightfold path. Realizing that, that form is like foam on the water, our human life, like foam on the water, a mirage, they deflect Mara's flower-tipped hours of sensuality and go beyond the grasp of death. A flood sweeps away a village as ignorance sweeps, sweeps away a person distracted by only picking flowers of pleasure. That's all we want. We think our whole life is about finding pleasure everywhere each moment each moment has to be a pleasurable moment how i define pleasure which is completely arbitrary between everyone right i mean nobody's idea of pleasure is the same as anyone else's and some person's ideas of pleasure are truly psychopathic and you know i heard you hear me said it true psychopathy is very rare but that's another example of it and the things that those people might do is also picking the flowers of their own pleasure Mara directs the person whose mind is distracted towards insatiable craving for flowers of pleasure. And Mara is always metaphor throughout the suttas as a metaphor for a mind rooted in ignorance of four noble truths. It's always portrayed as a malevolent God. And of course, it's just the malevolent God is our minds that are rooted in ignorance. A sage seeking alms is like a bee gathering honey. Both sustain, them, sustain themselves with moderation, always harmless. Always mindful of one's own acts, 
unconcerned with others. Imagine the liberation of that, of first becoming in control of your, <clears throat> your own actions or right action, that middle part of the Eightfold Path, the fourth factor. And so if we truly have ended that type of conflict within our minds, we of course wouldn't be concerned about other people because we found it, we've arrived, you know, we're here in this moment. So what other people are doing is of no consequence to us because we don't take it personally. But we got to that place of calm by not taking ourselves personally first. The Buddha continues. The words of those lacking heartwood, meaning the Eightfold Path, are like a beautiful flower with no fragrance. So I met, and again, not to put these people down, I met a lot of wonderful people in my search for understanding. Um, and they were all like a beautiful flower with no fragrance. And I can think of hundreds of conversations that are coming into mind that I had with people in different centers and monasteries and after and on retreats. And it was always like, and I, I, they might have probably felt the same way about me, is what's here? There doesn't seem to be anything here. It's like an empty vessel. Years and years ago, I went out to uh, Malibu for a training and to see if I wanted to live out there. And I spent about a month and it really was incredible. Um, but I was left with this feeling after I came back home is I don't know if I met, actually met a human being. And I didn't even understand the Dhamma back then. But it was like I spent a whole month in a place talking with people, interacting with people, having lunch with people, learning from people. And it was like nobody was there. Nobody. And I remember talking to my cousin who worked out there for, I think it was a bank for about eight years and then he moved back. And he said basically the same thing. I said, Jeff, why did you leave? He says, I just can never connect with anybody out there. And again, I'm not putting down Californians or anything. That was my experience and it was many years ago. Um, but it was like I was there living within this beautiful flower, but there was no fragrance. The Buddha continues, the words of those established in Heartwood are skillful like a beautiful and fragrant flower. Established in Heartwood, Though mortal, we understand our own physical demise, one does many good deeds, just as many fine garlands can be made from a heap of flowers. So we're not giving up. We learn that we're not giving up anything by doing good deeds, and we don't put a count on it. We don't uh, elevate ourselves above our own humanity because, because we're so good and we're doing all these good things, because it, it came from a heap of flowers. There was nothing there. It was just the, only, the manifestation of our own maturity in this moment. The sweet smell of flowers is lost to, I'm sorry, the sweet smell of flowers is lost to the wind. It's very impermanent, it's fleeting. The fragrance of true virtue pervades all directions. So again, to think about that in relation to our own awakening, that we are the, <laughs> the, uh, the fragrance of our own awakening spreads in all directions and other people will notice it, whether they react in a positive way or respond in a positive way, they can't help but sniff in our odor. Especially at the end of the month. Of all fragrances, the fragrance of virtue is sweetest. The fragrance of sandalwood and jasmine is faint. The fragrance of virtue touches all. Mara can never distract one from the Eightfold Path when they abide in refined mindfulness and right view. 
the protection of the eightfold path resolves the eightfold path. A lotus, fragrant, fragrant and pleasing, grows in a heap of roadside rubbish. Even so, the disciple shines resplendent in their wisdom on the rubbish heap of mortal buried in ignorance. Read it again. Even so, the disciple shines resplendent in their wisdom on the rubbish heap of mortals buried in ignorance. And this isn't a, a put down. It's just a, a, a direct reference and really kind of slamming us over the head with recognizing that. Are you just going to be, are you going to be buried in your own ignorance or are you going to rise above it like a lotus or great rises above the water? Read it once more. Even so, the disciple, the wise disciple, shines resplendent in their wisdom on the rubbish heap of mortals buried in ignorance. That's the end of today's class. <laughs> today's class. Goodbye. <laughs> let's go have a drink. Let's, yeah, let's, let's have some of that Papa Vodka. Boy, now I know why I said it, Papa Vodka. I, thought, I, oh, I used to drink. Yeah. There was a cheapness around and we were drinking six a day. I thought, I thought that when you said it. Yeah. I, I said, oh, it's like Papa Vodka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's today's uh, chapter. I'm going to say I'm Papa of Vodka. There you go. Uh, we'll go online first, and uh, I got it. Uh, ladies first, Deborah. Oh, poor Deborah. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> nice, I'm John. Sorry, nice, <laughs> nice, John. <laughs> I just wanted to get you back on screen. I missed your face. <laughs> no, 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 no. There was a cat emergency. Uh, th thank you for your teaching this morning. Um, I did listen to this chapter from, I think it was 2019 this week. Um, I apologize for not studying further. Right. Unlike good. this man here. Um, but it, it. The teachings bring a lot of things forward in mind's eye. And uh, I find it completely impossible sometimes to stay in my eightfold path 24-7. <laughs> but I work hard at it. And... Uh, I accomplished uh, two things at work this week. Uh, I have an iPad at work for numerous reasons. And when I am bored and not, and I don't have a student that needs my attention desperately, my mind travels. So I decided to put that away. And I also keep a class schedule. And also when the mind is not active, because a child does not need my attention right away. I doodle. And then halfway through my doodling on Thursday, I said, I need to get rid of this also. <laughs> so I did. <laughs> that's all I have. Thank you. That's, that's a lot there. I mean, that, that's pure Dhamma practice. You know, and as far as not being able to stay within the framework of the eightfold path 24-7, join the club. <laughs> but that's not that's not the point you know the, the really the point is to is to do your best and be gentle with yourself and it sounds like you're doing just that so 
Thank you. Hello, Jeff. Hello, John. Hello, everybody. Um, this it's a great teaching. I I I, uh, I I love the analogy of a realm of death uh, because the fear of death, the fear of loss of perceived self, being lodged in a physical body, seems to pervade almost everyone, whether they're conscious of it or not. Yeah. And we. The, the, uh, the entire society seems to be in one way or another either obsessed with living so hard they obscure their fear of death or focusing so so completely constantly on it that they're they fabricated a, an amazingly elaborate structure to protect themselves from really facing the fact that it's part of reality. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful teaching, a lot of great analogies there. And uh, yeah, what I, I think I think I like the analogy of the um, the fragrance of a flower because you do see people react generally positively towards someone who is calm and self-possessed and uh, it, it's interesting how often by saying nothing they strike a conversation trying to engage you in some kind of understanding about why you're so calm it, it, it's almost unsettling for them that you are not engaged in the same frenetic kind of justification for different activities that, that they're involved in. And uh, yeah, I, 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 guess, I guess one of the things that I puzzle with is um, uh, in my setting, I, I work and live in up here, there, there's some often actually open hostility towards anything that they don't already accept or deem as being the absolute truth. And uh, I would appreciate some advice on how people handle that. Because I, I, <laughs> on, on, one, on one hand, you, you feel as though you'd like to engage them in a discussion about that. On the other hand, it's not likely to end well. <laughs> that's, that's wisdom. Excuse I didn't mean to interrupt. Me, may, I may I interrupt something here as, as related to what um, this well, kind before, of gentleman Maybe, but is, is it, Jeff, is it okay if Deborah interrupts you? Oh yeah, I'm, I'm pretty used to that. <laughs> that's why that's why I asked the question. <laughs> Please, Deborah. I, I too run into the same issue in my work life here, and it just became totally evident about two weeks ago when the teacher that I work for said to me, Deborah, you're not perfect. So now I know. She thinks I'm perfect. And I'm going in my mind, I'm going, 
oh man, this woman is way off base. <laughs> so I didn't know how to handle that situation. And Jeff and I seem to be sharing the same, help me, help me. <laughs> and thank you, Jeff, for letting me interrupt you. Thank you, Jeff, for, for letting Deborah interrupt you too. I, that was really well, well said. <clears throat> Jeff, do you have anything else? No, no, that's it, John. That's, that's any advice would be helpful. Um, they, uh, ultimately, the Dhamma resolves in that issue that um, the, the, the people in the world that are so upset, um, let's go, all the tribalism that's going on, um, it, it's, you, you're never going to change a, person, a person's mind who is part of one tribe or another because you just, you just can't get through that. Um, it, unless people actually come to you and say, I don't understand. And I had this conversation yesterday with someone who was part of a certain group that, <laughs> that sees things one way and is very intolerant of people on the other side. And I was able to reach them, I think, only by me saying, what happens in your mind when you see that going on? Do you want it to be different? And immediately they understood that the, the, the conflict that's going on outside of them um, only becomes, only if has an effect on you, on me, when I take it personally, meaning I want them to be different. And so that type of tribalism or even just individual battles between people of, of differing views um, is still an aspect of the first noble truth. And it's still, and we can understand that because we understand the nature of conflict because we've seen it in our own minds. We've developed jhana in the framework of the Eightfold Path to abandon the causes of conflict as Deborah was just describing too earlier. And as you talk about, often. So the answer to, to the, your question, Jeff, is probably a little bit disappointing, but there is dukkha in the Dhamma, and that is to continue Dhamma practice will bring a resolution in your mind. Um, and then the, the sweet fragrance of your own uh, full human maturity may have an impact on those around you. But um, we have to understand, even during the Buddhist time, it, the Buddhist time was, was incredibly similar to our time. The, the, you really can't point out any difference between how human beings interacted lovingly and hatefully during the Buddhist time, except technology. That's the, really the only difference. And technology, it seems, uh, has only provided platforms and an acceleration for hateful things and but you could the counter could be well it, it's also there for the to display loving aspects of humanity but um dukkha occurs jeff you know and, it, and it, dukkha occurs um and when it's occurring out there it's none of my business unless there's something directly that i can do about it right i mean as far as tribalism i think i, I don't want to get into politics but i vote because i think that's important to at least pick a candidate that I think is inclined towards peace, inclined away from hatred, et cetera, et cetera. Hard to do today. But even um, in my daily life here, the only people that I truly associate with that I have a choice with are people that aren't rooted in tribalism um, 
and that type of uh, almost a concealed hatred, meaning you're, the tribe you belong to conceals your hatred because everybody else in your tribe, and a tribe could be two people, by the way, but, you know, because my tribe is thinking this way, it must be right. And you don't realize that you joined that tribe. It was your, you know, your, your um, inclination to protect yourself from your own ignorance that we do those things. So how's that for a long-winded answer? And I hope it helped. Want you. No, it does. It does help. And, uh, 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 yesterday was a, t a typical day around the place where we've had a week of people uh, running around, running heavy equipment, and banging into things they shouldn't be running over. And and one of, one of the uh, other supervisors there had passing through the office after having numerous phone conversations and he said well it seems like things are going downhill and they're picking up speed and i said yeah and it's been that way for thousands of years <laughs> and, <laughs> what did he say <laughs> they laugh but but you know that's the way it really is too it does seem yeah. like that all the time yeah um no i it, I, I don't want to make it sound as though I, i'm in a hostile environment but um I don't know. I guess I'm. I'm still. It. It pains me, at times, to see people without a perspective that gives them some relief from that. Um, uh, yeah, there's not much I can do completely about that. But uh, yeah, it's. It, you're right. Duca occurs. That's part of it. And. Uh, no, it, I guess I still haven't separated myself completely from that. Yeah. And that you, you just yeah, you, you answered that your own question, but David has something. Part of, as you develop the fine mindfulness, you can investigate. You can investigate your participation in just that moment that you feel the need to make someone understand and that's a version of aversion yeah a version. that's right so john and i talked about the hindrances like how do we keep the hindrances in mind when even the helpful beneficial act of jeff thinking about what he can do to resolve that situation or to make someone understand there's a version that he's experiencing. Something's bothering him inside versus just part of what this chapter had was not be bothered by what John Haskell thinks of me. Yeah. I, I have to look at myself and say, what part of eye making is taking place right. in my mind, mm -hmm. even though it's a, the, seemingly beneficial that I'm trying to make you understand what you don't understand, yeah. but it's my aversion. So. Yeah, that's such a good point. Thank you, David. Jen. I'm reminded also of, and I can't remember the name of the sutta, that's a, but it's all about right speech. Yeah. And it point, it goes through how, do you know which one I'm talking about? It goes exactly yeah. through how you can when when 
that Tatagata is in a situation where they see what they said, what they're going to say yeah. is going to be heard and understood and appreciated and beneficial. Yeah. Then he says them. Timely. Yeah, yeah. timely. And, timely he, and he, he makes sure that it's at, during a time when mm -hmm. the, it is, he knows the time when it is appropriate to be saying it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's a sutta that literally draws out exactly how to recognize what is when it is appropriate to say something to someone and when you read that you start to recognize how much concentration it takes to clearly and directly communicate something to someone yep. and when you develop the concentration to start to do that, then you're not distracted by internally considering how you're going to make this person understand. Yeah. You just in the moment either recognize that they're ready to hear this thing and know how to say it, or you recognize that they're not ready to hear this thing and you let it go and you're not walking away and spending your day thinking about how you're going to turn that person around because that is not living your life that is being distracted by something that happened you know an hour ago yeah, but you. i can't remember the name of that suit so i can go figure it out well to be clear i i don't i don't feel in fact i know it's not my job <laughs> It's not my role to convert anybody or to even to change anybody's mind. Um, it, 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 it's, uh, I, I guess the, the conundrum I have is how to be fully authentic uh, in a potentially hostile world. Um, well, that, that you're never going to be able to get to resolve that issue if you think that the hostile world should be any less hostile, right? Because now, again, there's a virgin there. It's, it's a subtle form of aversion, mm -hmm. but um, you could look at it. In fact, I, I know you want to talk back. You could look at it this way too. And it, there's a line here where the form is like foam on the water, meaning it's poof, there's nothing to it, including the forms outside of us. You could almost, and because they're all rooted in ignorance, you could almost say that looking out on the world is like looking at a play because none of it is rooted in the reality of being a human being. So again, why take it personally? These people are just putting, really, I mean, it's one way to look at it. It sounds a little cynical, but it's really true, is out there, they're putting this on, this play on for, for me, just so I know what kind of world I live in, which is a hostile world. There will be dukkha. Yeah, that's, um, so again, that's that's a sensation of watching a movie, right? O often, especially yeah. when things are are uh, chaotic. Uh, it, I, I, I know other people have expressed it too. It's like watching a bad movie. Yeah, and we know that movies come to an end. I think that's why we can put up with, you know, these um, like really violent type movies 
Um, if we didn't know that in a you know another half hour this will be over, uh, we probably wouldn't expose ourselves to it. But we don't apply the same thing to our own life because we we ignore the fact that we're going to die, you know, and it could be in the next breath. And so why waste it on wanting? And again, I'm not saying you're doing this, Jeff. Just you 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 started a great conversation. Why waste this moment of my life wanting something to be different that I know is like foam on the water? And also, there's not much I can do about it. But like Jen was talking about, I wish I, I can't remember the name of that suit too. But it really resolves in in this moment, the conflict that I see outside of myself is, is there a way that I could enter into that conflict so as to de-emphasize or de-escalate, de de thank you, the conflict. And if, if in my, again, you need to have a little bit of a developed practice, but in my mind, if I think there's obviously nothing I can do here, I keep my mouth shut and I walk away and I walk <laughs> away with a calm and peaceful mind and I haven't contributed to the conflict in the hostile world that will always be hostile according to our teacher. Duke occurs, wait a minute, Kevin. So, Becky. Oh, too late. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't want to lose mine and I thought you to lose yours. Wanted, the really only thing I wanted to say was that in that sutta, I can't think of the name of it either, but it talks about, it talks about your words falling on deaf ears. That if you know what I, you're going I to say, my text. you what? I have it in my text. I can, yeah. I can get it. Yeah. It, would, it would be nice to read that one again. Yeah. Um, um, if you want me to say my piece now, I will. Are you calling on me or are you going to go back around? And... <laughs> yes, I'll go back around. Okay. This, this, is, this is for commentary on Jeff's excellent. Um, and I, I think, Jeff, you can see that we all. I can relate to that exactly because that's Dharma practice. Ram, did you have something? <clears throat> no, but I, I recognize uh, uh, in in Jeff's examples exactly what's happening in my family. You know, there, there are wild discussions going on and heated things, and uh, <clears throat> most of the time, I basically don't say anything because whatever would come out of my mouth would not resolve anything uh -uh. in the situation. It wouldn't change anybody's mind, uh, which in the end, I, I really don't need to, uh, I don't need to change anybody's mind. <clears throat> and, uh, and yeah, the reaction from my, my, at least for my son was, yeah, dad checked out. <laughs> and, you know, and uh, in a way he's right, you know, I, I checked out of the, out of the argument. But I'm still, you know, there in. I'm still there in the situation. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I can't say or do anything that would either bring some clarity to someone else um, or resolve a conflict, uh, then it's much better not not to get involved in the argument in the first place. Well, yeah, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. So I'm going to ask you, what was it like 10 years ago? Oh, I'd be yelling and screaming too. Yeah. And so, and what the important thing there is that... And I, I'd even be the one instigating the yelling and screaming. <laughs> yeah. you know? and coming, as I said before, coming right from, from, uh, uh, from class, uh, I'd storm into the house because somebody didn't take the garbage out. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> yeah, it, so it, I learned. <laughs> and that's dollar practice. And that's dollar practice. That's just, and, that, and that's how it should be, right? Yeah. That's Realizing that this is all my own stuff and I don't need to bring that out. I can resolve that uh, myself, yeah. in myself. Yeah. Again, the point of the dominant. And you didn't, nobody in your family had to change and, uh, and probably wouldn't if you pushed them to, but you did. And again, yeah. and I still every, take out the garbage. The what the, the the quality of the quality of mind precedes all mental states, right? Mm -hmm. So what we hold in mind, that's how this whole uh, review began. What we hold in mind will determine our own human experience, our moment by moment life. Um, and so, no matter what's going on out, out in the world, if I maintain a impersonal um, response to that then it's just that or a lack of response turn or, turn on my heels and get out of there um, even when you can see even when you understand the resolution of 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 the of the situation if it will fall on deaf ears don't mm -hmm. bother saying it yeah yeah and that and that's not just in conflict too it's also in, in our day-to-day -day practice that idle chatter is, is again just another distraction so if it's not if it has no real importance to this moment in life we really it really is best to to keep your mouth shut but you know most of us won't kevin you had something um just because jeff's point was so well made um yeah i mean we're we're kind of pointing at wise restraint in this in the sutta here the, the buddha gives a beautiful metaphor about the sage gathering honey both sustain themselves with moderation always harmless the practice of wise restraint is harmless it's virtuous we've been talking all about that and you know jeff that's kind of what we have to do it says here we're always mindful of our acts unconcerned with others so if we're practicing restraint in our thoughts words and deeds it's the most harmless thing we can do and unfortunately as first noble truth teaches teaches us the flood is probably going to sweep away most of the village because not a lot of people take on take on to this practice but we know that some things are better left unsaid and and a calm presence like you said is is a fragrance right it, it fills a room but it doesn't fill a room with words or eye making it's just simply there and it's a five five or six property person that's calm and, and noticing their breathing and the feelings, the thoughts and the mind state. So really, really nice how you all brought that out. Thank you, Kevin. The quality of mind precedes all mental states. So what, what's the quality of my mind? Is the quality of my mind in conflict? I'm likely to get into conflict. If the quality of my mind is calm, I'm likely to maintain that calm as long as I maintain practice. So Thank you, Jeff. Again, it was it was it led to a great discussion so far. Um, so I want to hear what Brian has to has to say about all this. I think the line of deflecting Mara's flower-tipped arrows of sensuality is just brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> and that that imagery of the the malevolent deity firing flower-tipped arrows that we'd love to cling after and chase after right and it's it's all empty of of anything right it's an illusion it's foam on the water yeah. um 
and like the, the 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 whole all the realm of the death and the gods and mara that's that's all in the mind yeah and we we create these worlds and these these rabbit holes that we love to travel down and through and it's we just get lost until yeah. so you come back to the breath and reunite your mind and your body uh, and realize that you don't have to engage in challenging conversations you don't have to contribute to that um whatsoever and again the the wiser strength that kevin just hinted at and talked about that's that's what we're all practicing so thank you yeah, it is thank you it, it the 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 reason why we get into conflicts is that we think we should be seen and we should be heard you know that my my input is the most important and again, that, that's that's an aspect of salvation. It's elevating me against above everybody else. And there, even there's not, again, I don't want to get into the politics, and I won't. But a lot of this the new way of thinking is to be noticed, to be seen. I need to be seen. Yeah. Well, that there's nothing more rooted in eye making than that, and it's it's constantly agitating, isn't it? Suffering. Because it, it has no relevance in the world. How how much am I supposed to be seen? You know what what's the how do I value being seen? Is it okay? I see you, and here's a million bucks, or here's a million kisses, or here's a million girlfriends or boyfriends or whatever it might be to acknowledge that you're being seen. I don't want to be seen. I don't want anybody to see me, because if it is, it means that I'm screaming to look at me, you know. Or we can just walk peacefully through the world unnoticed with a calm and peaceful mind, and that is, I mean, that's the ultimate resolution for conflict in the world, isn't it? But you know, we're not here to, to do that, to end conflict in the world, just within our own minds. And how's that going for you, Lucius? Good to see you this morning. Yeah, everybody's happy to see Lucius. Doing well. I uh, don't have much to say. I'm just glad to be here. Choking down my water. I'm glad you're here too, Lucius. Good morning, Slav. Good morning. Uh, I will reference to my uh, translation of Dhammapada. I mean, not mine, uh, some uh, monk, which one I read it. Uh, the active mind, it's difficult to tame. But if you tame, it's leading to joy and well-being. And it's uh, very interesting. It's totally true, because according to all story, which one people just bring up today about conflict, uh, it's highlight uh, when you have a trained mind it's uh, easy to handle and even myself yesterday we have on the work some conflict and whole time when this was occurring I asked myself I don't know why is everybody so bothered by this uh, coming somebody else except me something wrong with me and even when it's done people continue to talk about and the starting ask question uh, what do you think? Uh, it's right or uh, wrong? I said, I don't know it's right or wrong, but it absolutely doesn't bother me. It's not my problem. It's problem of this person who talks this way. And it's, it was very strange. And kind of like uh, my background, uh, where I grew up, we usually have um, this way a uh, short tempo. But I don't know. It's not bother me anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you don't know. It's, it's down practice, I would say, Slav. 
I probably give credit this too. I even kind of like come home and explain my wife. And so it is probably because I practice so much. It's, it's not my problem. I had a, a nurse ask me yesterday, how come you're always so calm? And I said, because I don't know better. <laughs> I could yeah. have said I don't know anything better, but you know, that's how I said it. And they, I got the usual quizzical look. What's wrong with you? That was what I said. And I'm going to stand by it. Thank you, Slav. Good morning, Mary. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Um, I really like what Kevin said. It was kind of what I was thinking. Um, and I just think that on the, on our way on this path, on this middle way, as we're moving toward maturity, sometimes we're learning how subtle eye making can be. Eye making isn't always loud and cocky, right? It's little things. And on our way to full emotional maturity where we might look on um, hostility or someone speaking uh, in a hostile way, we might start to view them with virtue and compassion. And then we're able to sit quietly demonstrating a sense of calm that has an effect, whether you can measure it or not, it certainly has an effect, as opposed to just, you know, maybe pushing something down or I'm just going to be quiet, even though I'm dying to say something, right? That's all subtle eye making. And I aspire to the opportunity to have wise restraint in that environment and have virtue and compassion, whether I speak it or act on it, because maybe it would fall on deaf ears or not, I can feel it and be in that hostile experience um, with, you know, wise restraint, like the, like the bumblebee, you know, the bumblebee is always in a hostile environment, but um, going about your business with clear view of, of, you know, your purpose and your role, and then viewing other things and other people and other situations with as much virtue as you can pull out of the Eightfold Path. Yeah. The sense of satisfaction of experiencing that from time to time, I aspire to feel that more often in my life um, because then conflict no longer resides. Um, and that's what I had to say. So thank you, John. Thank you, Mary. Good morning, Sarah. Would you come on screen if you don't mind? You don't have to, but. Um, good morning. So I'm not realizing I'm not on screen. <laughs> um, it says that's that okay, my son. video is on, but um, I, I didn't read the Dhamma for today and I'm very disappointed to have missed the class teaching, um, but I can tell, say and share that just the impact of what Dhamma study that I've taken in has, it continues to affect me on a daily basis and um, just still continuing with um, 
processing my father's grief, but and which seems to not really affect me um, as huge as that seemed like it would be for me. It just hasn't affected me because I just stay in the present. But um, I've noticed in trying to care for my mom, um, uh, the freedom from that salvific mentality that I was raised in. I'm not the savior. I'm not the. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not the one who's going to um, save my mom from her grief. And and um, I've never lost a husband in that way. So I can't say um, how she's processing her grief. I think she's a strong woman, but. What um, I'm noticing is that uh, there's this sense as I just exhaust myself trying to be there for her um, work, doing my own job, um, the freedom to get to the end of a day, feel completely exhausted and and know I need to listen to my body and go home and, and rest rather than try and go up and be my mom's savior for the day. Um, and, and that I'm not going to help anybody by adding one more, <laughs> um, you know, one more um, death in her family <laughs> um, prematurely because I've exhausted myself. Um, but just that to not have to save the world, to not have to save anybody and to be free from the paradigms that tell me that I should be there for her. And I did, you know, I've gotten telephone calls or texts from from family members, boy, your mom is really lonely because she's sure talking up a storm. And, and you know that behind it is the, wow. you should be visiting her. <laughs> or, um, and, and I know I'm just, I, I'm just doing the best that I can. And I just go along and just so thankful for that. So um, I'm, I'm wanting to continue on in my Dhamma practice and study. And um, it goes against much of my grain for ritual and habit. Um, and but I I'm getting there a little at a time and I'm very thankful. Thank you, Sarah. I'm glad you joined us. And uh, I'll post today's talk uh, be, before Monday's email, and the link will be it's always in Monday's email. Um, and the first three um, classes on the, on this review are already posted. So and you can catch up on the you know the, this chapter as well when you get some time. But uh, thank I'm glad you. you joined us today. You, you read. When um, my mom died when she was 80, my dad was 85 for the next 16 years of his life. Uh, he died at 101. Mm. He kept thinking and believing that somehow my mother was going to come back. It wasn't even that he was going to get to heaven and see her. And um, he wasn't all that religious, but he followed the religion that my mother was very devout in. Doesn't need to be mentioned. But in the beginning, in the beginning, when it first happened, he kept saying Dodo was, a, was a, an, uh, an affectionate name for my mother. It didn't mean that she was, it was just a childhood name. Um, but he kept saying, you know, Dodo's going to come back. We're going to go to Cape May again. And I used to say, Dad, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. It's not, it's not, you've got to stop thinking that way. He'd get upset. I'd get upset. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I realized, why, why am I fighting with this man? Yeah. Why am I trying to put something out of his mind? It's giving him, really it's giving him comfort, even though it's a fantasy. And so the next time I saw him, he said, John, I think that Dodo's going to come back. We're going to go out there. And I said, Dad, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I, was, I didn't have to say anything else. I didn't. Mm -hmm. And that was fine with me. It didn't it didn't even, it didn't agitate me to say that. In fact, it was pleasant <laughs> because it was wrong speech. 
for me to tell my father he should be different and think different, even if it was a, a cruel and you might say, I mean, a fantastic and you might say cruel, we'll use the same word, fantasy. Um, but there it is. Why do it? You know, why, why engage in any type of conflict? Because conflict doesn't resolve anything. We, we keep thinking. That's why I say it. In 2,600 years, we haven't learned anything. We still think somehow that conflict will end conflict, that hatred will end hatred. That, that, and, 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 and we cannot look at, I'm not even talking about human history. Let's look at yesterday. You know, that's all we need to look at, look at one day in the life. And we realize that ignorance is, a, is a, you know, the name of the game or awakening. And it's, it, it is very simple that way and very direct. And I would say easy to understand once we develop the context. Up until then, everything is confusing, isn't it? So, um, I think I got everybody online. Did I miss anybody? I think so. Okay. Good morning, Becky. Hey, wait. There's Becky. Always want to da, 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 da. Good morning, everyone. I think this whole conversation has just, um, I don't know, I can't explain how it's hit me on several different levels. It's made me feel, uh, of course, supported. And, but it's, it's also made me feel like I'm being hard on myself. Uh, I loved Jen's conversation, Jen's ex explanation about um, communicating. So hard to communicate. It, it takes a great deal of concentration to communicate. And I'm not out in, I'm not out in the world working with other people. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of protected that way. I'm home. I'm with my husband and my close family. So I don't have a lot of, of moments where somebody says something to me that I realize I need to use wise restraint here. Mm. Um, but I, I do have enough of those just in my life. And this past week was a really good week for me as far as the Dhamma goes. I, I continued my, I increased my practice. I've, I admit I have fallen off for a while. Not, not fallen off, but I was, I missed meditating some days. I didn't meditate every day. Now I meditate every day for at least 20 minutes and sometimes 30 minutes. I listened to uh, Kevin's speech or Kevin's class which really helps in the middle of the week. And um, I felt like I was really uh, in right view for at least two of the days when my mind would start to wander and I'd go down one of those rabbit holes. I could easily, I could bring it back to the present and it felt really good. It felt just, you know, how it feels. It feels good. Um, but then, you know, when there's a school shooting, it's like somebody, it, 
it's like that pseudo where the guy is walking and he is awakened and he's walking and someone comes up behind you and hits him with a board. Saraputa. Saraputa. Mm-hmm. And he says, what was that? <laughs> well, that's sort of what happened. And then I kind of fell off the... <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, so I'm glad I'm here. And I loved it when you said looking at the world out there is like looking at a play. Because yeah. that sort of brought me right back to this is the way it is. There's nothing you can do about it. And you have to look at it calmly and be in the moment. That's yeah. so comforting to be able to come back there. Because you know that coming back there does not mean you're doing anything other than what you should be doing. Because, you know, I mean, I want to go out there and fix everything all the time. It's just ridiculous. But to come back and so. Thank you again. (laughs) Thank thank you again, Becky. Yeah, these, I heard about this as well. And these are, it's horrible, horrible things that we, uh, that happen in the world. Um, but it still is Duke. It's still rooted in ignorance. That's right. Uh, it's still rooted in hatred. Somebody full of hate that thinks that hatred can somehow stop hatred. And that, to me, that's just such a perfect example of that. Um, of course, it's easy and quick to say, oh, this should never happen. Um, but maybe what we should say is look at what happened. Mm. And then realizing, I'm thinking of Angela Miller right now. You know, a quick story in, a, in one of the suits uh, Angela Miller was a murderer and he was so proud of being a murderer that he used to hang these the, the fingers, the bloody fingers of the people he killed on his neck. Um, and he, he saw the Buddha one day and he was looking for number 100 to put on there. And he met the Buddha, the Buddha gave him a brief teaching and he awakened and he never harmed another person. But that's conflict resolution for Angela Miller. But how is it going to occur out there? And if it doesn't, least maybe I should say these things should always be surprising to us as human beings, but we shouldn't be surprised by it because we live in a world that is rooted in conflict. And again, not to get in, uh, I'm not going to go there. Um, wise restraint. There, there's nothing different between what happened this past week in, I forget the state that it happened in, Tennessee, um, than any, any of the other violence that's been going on for 2,600 years. It's not something new. It's not something novel to our time. It's not because of a, a certain external situation. I don't want to say the word. Um, it all has to do with human beings hating other human beings. And until we get to the root cause of hate, which we won't in the way we're going, we haven't in 2,600 years, the the systems that we have in place do not lead to a resolution or an understanding of hate or an understanding of Dukkha. And they won't. That's that's what the Buddha taught us, that Dukkha will occur. Sometimes it slams us in the face. Mm -hmm. But when it slams us in the face, that's when we say, this is not me, this is not mine, this is not what I am. And to some people that might sound like cruel or um, disconnected from the world, but it's just the opposite. It's rooted in an understanding. 
and so again thank you for bringing it up i think it was i was thinking whether i would talk about that or not or mention it and i decided i wouldn't unless it came up so thank you Becky. i think it was important too. uh let's go to adam adam you have to stop sitting behind jen <laughs> I said, it seems safe every time. Uh, so we all. Yeah, well, I come in after you, so really, I need to not sit in front of you. I didn't want to say that, Jen. I really uh, enjoyed the idea or like the, the message here that, you know, it's restraint that produces the pervasive fragrance. Um, uh, and um, and the, the, the flower and the lotus. That's really illustrates the idea to be very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Thank you, Adam. Ram, I know you got to get going. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm okay, so. yeah. um, Here's Ram. Yeah. I really like this, the metaphor of the, uh, of the bee and the flowers. Um, it shows how <clears throat> In a diligent practice, you can you can be surrounded by all these distractions, and and still be what's the word effective? Um, <clears throat> you can be surrounded by all this conflict and and uh, and distractions. The distractions of the conflict, um, and still have sustenance in it. Uh, and it's such a deep metaphor that he that he puts out there. And I'm, I'm still trying to get to kind of to, to the bottom of that. You know, uh, and, and basically he says how to be in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, and, and with with uh, uh, with Brian, the, the flower tip arrows. That that's just that's that's a brilliant metaphor because uh, it's it's stuff that's coming at us, you know, disguised. <clears throat> there's yeah. stuff coming at us disguised as flowers, as Beautiful attractive flowers, things, yeah. but they're actually harmful. Yeah. I, I always just uh, marvel at, at the, uh, the the poetry of, of Buddha, uh, mm -hmm. the way and and you know and as as all good poetry, it's all it's about real life mm -hmm. uh, and seeing it in in a certain way. <laughs> Thank you, Al. Now, teacher Jen. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm really enjoying listening to everybody's comments and um, I'm hearing what, you know, that little bit of restraint being utilized at the moment where I'm making is, is presenting itself as an, as an option in our minds and we choose restraint you know, even though that can sometimes be a little uncomfortable, which is why that word restraint is so perfect. Mm -hmm. 
we quickly experience the relief. Yeah. And that's what I'm hearing everybody talk about is just how relieved they feel um, when they take that extra moment to utilize restraint and then experience relief from whatever it is that's upsetting them, which is ultimately eye making. Um, and I also just wanted to, you know, thank you, John, for um, your restraint in teaching. Um, you know, I, I feel like when, uh, you know, difficult things are happening in the world and things become politicized, it's very easy you know, we're all human beings to, even in the position of teaching, have a, a subtle idea about how things should be. And today really made it about what is happening internally for us when we experience the stress of the world, mm -hmm. really bring it back to ourselves and orient to what's occurring internally to resolve that stress rather than going out and, and making ideas about how even, even subtly, you know, well, they all need to now know the Dhamma. You know, even saying something like that is more eye-making and more subtle, yeah. um, not accepting what's, what's occurring. Mm -hmm. yeah. So thank you for thank you for that. Thank you. No, thank it must not be easy. It is. It's, it's really hard. It's just so hard. <laughs> oh, that's not, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it requires concentration. It's, it's easy, but it does require concentration. Yeah. It, it, there, there's some, sometimes there's a fine line between teaching the Dhamma as it's intended in an impersonal, non-selfific way and mm -hmm. not fall into, why don't you all save yourselves and do this? Yeah, or right, if, right. if those people were different, we'd all be saved. And yeah. you know, it's just that whole that Jeff was talking about. Um, but it is true that sometimes just using what's occurring in the world as an example of ignorance is valuable and a valuable teaching mm -hmm. tool mm -hmm. the Bama and the, of the Bama. Uh, the Buddha employed often as well, um, but yeah, they're they're uh, wise restraint applies to Dhamma teachers as well as uh, Dhamma students. Um, but even uh, David and I were talking about this question I got a few, quite a few years ago now that um, from a new student who's all kind of agitated and wanted to know why did the Buddha keep meditating uh, after he awakened and. You know, I often give the answer just because he did, or he, of course he would, but the true answer is because he was a human being. You know, he's, he has he has to, if he wants to, he can maintain his awakened state, continue with Dhamma practice just like the rest of us have to. You know, no matter where we are, we, we continue to practice the Dhamma because we're human beings. You know? And but now we have the great benefit of understanding what it really means to be human. Right, David? Right, John. I spoke earlier. <laughs> Thank you, David. You can speak twice. You can speak as many times as you want. 
All right. Um, anybody else have any questions or comments? Okay, I'll get this posted. Um, I'm also going to get the retreat up uh, on Monday or Tuesday so we can start that uh, registration process. And um, there was another announcement. Oh, that uh, in two Sundays from now, we're going to have our annual, the second annual, um, Delaware River cleanup. Uh, we really had a lot of fun, especially when two people fell in. Uh, that was that was my best part of the we're whole. Look at the volunteers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're gonna. It, it, you can join us at the Kingwood Boat Land launch just down the street from us. Um, um, but if you can join us for a class, then we're going out to, to breakfast on Moss, and then we're gonna head down there and we're gonna clean. You know, our, our we have about a hundred mile swath of the Delaware that we're getting out. <laughs> It was, we, it's just a couple hours. We had a great time uh, last year. If it's raining, I think we're just going to do it the following Saturday. But that's the plan. So everybody's got to be there, even those from out of state. Just come on. Clean the river. Guam, do you, you, you know it's 10? I'm good. Good. Um, got a cancellation. So thank you, Jen, for pointing out that there are some changes necessary for the Karn and Metasuta. Um, <laughs> just to be more, it was really, it was something I've been thinking about for a while. Oh, that's so cool. The impetus to finally do it. It is cool. So, so you, you might notice a few, a little difference. If you don't, that's okay. Um, but take a moment to become mindful of your in-breath and your out-breath and let that mindfulness of your breath unite your mind and your body. Uh, and these are the, the, the words of the Buddha from the Karaniya Metasutta that describes an awakened human being. This is what is done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. They are able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied. They remain unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. Peaceful and calm and wise and skillful not proud or demanding in nature. They do not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. Always mindful that all beings be at ease, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, may all beings be at ease. Always mindful to not deceive another or despise any being in any state. They abandon anger and ill will, never wishing harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart, the wiser disciple cherishes all living beings. Radiating kindness over the entire world, <clears throat> spreading outwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, they sustain this recollection. This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. Thank you all for a wonderful class. Thank you. Thanks, Tom. There's a few changes Thank I gotta make in this already. That's what. Thanks, everybody. Thank Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. 
I rely on donations to support the continued restoration, preservation, and presentation of the Buddha's Dhamma. If you find benefit here, please consider a donation at becoming-buddha.com. Thank you. Peace.